let's get to our message today. It comes from Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7. The Word of God reads, So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built it up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Father, we ask that Your Word would speak to us today. God, that You would just help us to hear what you really need us to hear, and Father, that you take us there. Open up our hearts and our ears to hear you so that we might follow you with all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I love watching sports. I do everything in my power not to give sports illustrations on Sundays because if I, if I were to, every illustration would be a sports illustration. But I love watching championship sports, you know, especially for team sports like rugby. I love watching the grand, grand finals of rugby. I love especially watching events like the Super Bowl of NFL, which is American football. You know, I love it. You know, and, and especially I, I, what I love really watching, too, is sometimes they bring in a camera into the locker room before these teams take the field. And you always hear this impassioned speech by a coach or this impassioned speech by, like, the team captain. And they try to, you know, G everybody up. And I love hearing those speeches. And, you know, if you watch enough of those, you're going to see a very common pattern. You're going to see a, a pattern in all of these speeches. And it kind of goes like this right before a championship game. A lot of teams, you know, go on to say stuff like this. They say, you want to know something, guys? This whole year, we've been successful running the ball. This is like American football. You know, we've been successful running the ball. That's what got us here. And that's what's going to win the championship for us today. And they all go, yeah. And they all run out. And they run the ball. You know, and what, what is that saying? Champions know who they are, what got them there, and they bank on it to win. That's what they do. No team changes up their strategy, you know, the, the, the day of the championship game. What got them there is what will get them home. You know, in today's passage, the Apostle Paul is not talking about winning championships, but he's conveying a very similar message to Christians who want to make it faithfully to the finish line. You know, he's saying that what made you a Christian in the first place is all that you need to be victorious every single day. What made you a Christian in the first place is all that you need to be victorious every single day. If I can say it more simply, live your Christian life just as you were saved, okay? And what he's calling for here when he says that is a clear recollection. He's asking us to clearly recall our salvation experience. And for some of us, our salvation experience was this really intense moment where we met Jesus, right? And if you're like that, that's cool. I, my, you know, my salvation moment was a very intense moment. And I remember it so, so clearly. It was in this dark basement of a church at a revival meeting. You know, I didn't know anybody. But all I know is when I met Jesus in that moment, I remember this sense of fear, right? There was a sense of genuine fear because I knew I was in the presence of holiness. But at the exact same time, there was like this immense warmth, and there was this realization like, oh, my God, I am loved right now. I am being loved. For some of us, it was an intense moment. And it's awesome. But for others, it wasn't a moment, was it? It was more of a journey. 
You know, you don't know exactly what day you came to know Jesus, but you knew it was a journey. But, and you know, and along that journey, it was this, it was this journey of trying to discover who this Jesus Christ really is. And at the end of that road, you realize, oh my gosh, Jesus Christ is truly worthy to give all of my life to. You know, so whether it was a moment or a journey, the common thread is that the moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we surrendered our lives to our Savior and we surrendered our lives to our King. Paul is saying that the way the way we make it to the finish line together, spiritually growing and you know protected from false teachings is by continuing to live our lives every single day with that same conviction, with that same affections that you had, and the same adoration, the same humility, and that same sense of awe that we had when we first put our faith in Jesus Christ. When we first had that sense of grace, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm forgiven by the king of the universe, that caused us to surrender our whole lives to him. He's saying, if you want to make it to the finish line, then every single day must be filled with that exact same sense. Live your Christian life just as, exactly as, you were saved. And that's exactly what he's telling these Colossian believers to do. And that's exactly what God is telling us to do today. Do you guys get that? That's the point of our message today. Live your Christian life every day just as you were saved. There are only two verses here, so I have actually only two points, one for each verse. And the first point is this. True Christians live with Jesus Christ as Lord over their lives. The emphasis on the word Lord. Verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. You know, believe it or not, this phrase, this place is the only place in all of scripture where you're going to find these four words together. Christ Jesus as Lord. Isn't that incredible? We've heard a lot of variations, but this is the only place where you're going to see these four words exactly like this. Christ Jesus as Lord. Lord. What does this mean? Christ means anointed one, meaning that he's the anointed God who delivers us from our sins. That's what it means to be the anointed one. Jesus is actually, you know, his name is like the Hebrew for Joshua, which means salvation. So his name means salvation, the one who saves. And Lord obviously means king and master. So if we put all these four words together, it's painting this picture that to be a Christian means that we have surrendered our lives to be saved and ruled by this Son of God King who came to deliver us from our sins. Okay, that's the picture. But what's really interesting is if you actually study the original language, the Greek, there's a great emphasis. It's almost as if this magnifying glass is on one of those words in this particular verse. And that one word that's being magnified is the word Lord, right? The whole point of them sharing Christ Jesus as Lord is to emphasize that salvation and to follow Jesus means to truly make him the Lord over your life. Here's something interesting that I learned as I was doing research for this particular uh, message. You know, when the, when we share the gospel these days, and if I were to ever, if I were to ask you to share the gospel, or if someone were to share the gospel with you, a lot of times these are the these are the things that we emphasize when we share the gospel. We emphasize things like your forgiveness of sins, right? We do. We emphasize things like your salvation. You can be saved from going to hell, 
and you can have eternal life. These are the things that we share that Jesus did, and it makes sense, because these are the benefits that we receive if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But did you know, 2,000 years ago, when early Christians presented the gospel, do you know what was emphasized? What was emphasized was the lordship of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Simple. Just read the book of Acts. You know, it's like the, was it the fourth or fifth book? The fifth book in our, in our New Testament. If you read that book, that book is dedicated to one thing. This is the story, the narrative of how God used these apostles to send the gospel, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's the story. It's a history story of the way God did that. So uh, they're sharing the gospel like crazy to everybody on earth. That's the book of Acts. Here's the question I want to ask you. If you were to read the book of Acts, how many times do you think the word Savior appears in that book? You know, it doesn't matter how it's used. Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Savior Jesus. Savior, just the word Savior. How many times do you think the word Savior appears in the book of Acts? You would think it appears frequently. Because if you're going to share the gospel that frequently, I'm sure you're going to tell people that Jesus Christ is our Savior. But it only appears in the whole book twice. How many times do you think the word Lord appears in the book of Acts? The answer, 92 times. In addition to the 92, the phrase the Lord Jesus appears 13 times. The title, the Lord Jesus Christ, appears six times, which means the word the Lord, the word Lord appears 111 times compared to only two for the word Savior. What's this? What's the point? The point is that there is a great emphasis on the lordship of Jesus Christ for early believers. And why is that? And the reason is very, very simple. It's because they realize something about Christianity that sometimes gets lost today. What it means to be a Christian is very simple to them. They were teaching people that the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life proves that we're a Christian. Those who truly surrender to make Jesus Christ the Lord over their lives is the fruit of putting your faith in Jesus Christ, right? And it makes sense. We can only be saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, but a faith that doesn't change your life is not a true one, is it? The book of James says it very clearly. Faith without action that proves your faith is what? Dead. Right? So lordship is crucial. You know, you can say you believe in Jesus Christ, but if he's not the Lord that truly rules over your life, is your faith legit? Is it real? And the answer is no. Right? Listen to what the late great Billy Graham says about these verses. This is what he said. He said, No man can be said to be truly converted to Christ who has not bent his will to Christ. He may give intellectual assent or agreement to the claims of Christ and may have had emotional religious experiences. However, he is not truly converted until he has surrendered his will to Christ as Lord, Savior, and Master. So what's it saying? Lordship is key. Right? It's huge. Yes, Jesus Christ died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He exchanged his righteousness for our sinfulness upon the cross. But the goal of salvation was not our security. The goal of salvation, we talked about this before, it's his glory. Right? This is what we were created for, and that's why God paid such a high cost to get us 
back. Yes, salvation was given to us out of love. That was his motive and heart. But the goal of salvation is his glory. And in order for that to happen in us, Christ must take his rightful place as king and Lord and master over our lives. Do you guys get this? Right? Any profession of faith that doesn't make Jesus Christ Lord over your life is not legit. There we go. Okay? Because when Paul talks about our conversion experience here in this particular verse, he's saying that the bottom line is what? When you put your faith in Christ, this is what you did. You received Jesus Christ as Lord, right? That's what we confess, that he was the Lord. At least that's what we were supposed to have confessed, right? That's who we surrendered to when we put our faith in Christ. At least that's who we were supposed to have surrendered to if you did, right? And this is now the basis of what we choose to live out. You guys get this? Lordship is that important. And the reason why it's so important, you know, I've been a pastor for a long time. People who don't get this right, Christians who don't get this right, they always struggle with their faith, right? And the reason why is because when they picture their own salvation, they still have themselves at the center of their own salvation. You know, when they hear the gospel message, they hear, oh, Christ died to save me. Christ died to forgive my sins. You know, God did all that for me. And so therefore, when they put their faith in Christ, they're convinced that life itself, salvation itself, and a relationship with God is still all about them as well. So you know what happens to a lot of these people when they continue their faith inside the church if it's not corrected and, and if the lordship of Christ doesn't happen within their lives? A lot of times they go on to live very disappointing faith journeys that sometimes turn into very fake religious journeys. And the reason why that happens is not because they're not devout. They are. But they just either have failed to see that all this is for his glory or they just never been taught that. You know, and sometimes that happens at church, which is sad. We do everything that we can to try to get you over the line to get saved, but we don't teach you that what it's really all about is his glory and the lordship over your life. And so a lot of time, a lot of Christians we miss out on that. And so 20, you know, 15 years later we're like, why am I still struggling? Why why don't why don't I still get it? Why isn't my faith clicking? And it's because you know, when you first heard the gospel, we didn't emphasize it. It really is about the lordship over life. You know, we, we said before that the whole point of God creating the world and bringing Christ was to, was to redeem the world, to bring it back for his glory. And that's the same thing for us. Christ came to redeem us back for his glory. And that only happens when the lordship of Christ reigns over, reigns upon our lives. And so, you know, hopefully you're getting to hear the complete gospel today in that sense, that it is about the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if we fail to see that all this is from God, then, you know, then what it simply proves is that we fail to really see God himself, you know? And I'm convinced if you just have one glimpse of who God is, you'll realize, oh man, he totally deserves all of this. You know, salvation, Christ, our lives, it's all for Christ and his glory. And if the fruit of our faith doesn't end with Christ being paramount over our lives, then we will always struggle with issues in our faith. You know, when I got married, I made this commitment 
that I was going to love this one woman only for the rest of my life. That's what marriage is, right? We all get that one, whether you're married or not. You know, so no matter what happens in life, no matter how bad life gets, no matter how bad even our relationship gets, my marriage begins and ends with that commitment. Makes sense, right? We all agree that's, that makes sense. Are there days that I'd rather be single? <laughs> Maybe I said that too passionately. Are there days that I just want to do what I want to do? Maybe hang out with the boys all day. Maybe hang out with another woman. Yes, there are. But a marriage is nothing without that foundational fundamental commitment. What happens if I don't have that foundational fundamental commitment starting, during, and ending every single moment of my life? What will happen to my marriage? It'll look like a divorce. It will be a divorce, right? If you don't have that foundational commitment, you're going to have to do whatever you want to do. But because I have that commitment, it brings me back to my wife. I have this commitment. It saves me. It guards me. It protects me from ruining my marriage. But you know what also? You know what a commitment also does? Because I'm committed, it also is like the portal to the deepest joys of what marriage is. It's also the portal to like the deepest joys and experiencing of discovering how awesome my wife is. And that doesn't come unless you have that commitment. That doesn't come unless you guard that commitment. Do you know what I'm saying? In the same way, our submission to Christ as Lord is absolutely foundational and essential, not only for us to be faithful and to be victorious every single day as a follower of Christ, but to also experience the deepest of joys, you know, the greatest of joys of knowing and following after Jesus. You're never going to experience that unless you have his lordship over you, unless you're submitted to that. You know what I'm saying? It is absolutely crucial. It is absolutely essential. But the sad part of Christianity in church sometimes is we have a lot of Christians sitting in these pews who refuse to make Christ Lord. I'll take that salvation part, but that lordship thing, it's optional. I will see tomorrow. But no, you will never experience how amazing Christ is unless you submit to him as Lord and make him the Lord over your life. You also will never be victorious you know, over the evil one and, and worldly influences upon you if you never make him the Lord over your life. His lordship is foundationally crucial to you growing and to you experiencing everything that Christ promises in Scripture for your life. Don't be complaining that he doesn't do this, that he doesn't answer prayer, that he doesn't all this. If he isn't the Lord of your life, that was your choice. But he's calling us. You know, some people think the lordship is a prison. Like marriage. <laughs> Some people, forgive me, okay, sorry. You know, married people might laugh, but maybe, I don't know, single. Honey, it's not our prison. <laughs> it's like minimum security, but <laughs> not maximum security. But you know, I mean, a lot of people think the lordship is this prison, but it's not. And I'm telling you, it's not. Sometimes it is, but that prison is good for you. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's good to be locked and chained. 
because it prevents you from destroying your marriage, destroying your sin, destroying your faith, destroying your relationships, destroying your family, destroying your future. That's good. But it's also portal to experiencing everything that God is and Christ is and everything that he wants and everything that you can imagine from being connected to the God of the universe. But that only comes when you make him the Lord of your life. You know, listening to this message, I know it's pretty intense, but the thing is this, if, if you know, if, if you've never heard lordship preached like this, and if you've never submitted yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ, I pray that this message helps contribute, helps you want to do that and realizes that it is the only way to live out your Christianity. So if you've never surrendered to him as Lord, that's the application point for number one. I hope that you do. Okay, I hope that's what you want for you and yourself and your faith. Okay, True Christians make him the Lord over our lives. Secondly, true Christians walk with Christ as Lord over our lives. And the emphasis here is walk. Verses 6 and 7, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's go over a few of these vocabulary words. That word live in verse 6, a lot of times it's translated as live out or walk. It speaks of an active response. So this verse is now saying, hey, now that you're saved, walk in Christ. That's what it's saying. That's the command. Walk now in Christ. And believe it or not, the word continue, when it says continue to live your lives in verse 6, a better translation, which is weird, is remain as you are. Isn't that interesting for the word continue? What's it saying? It's saying that the way you came to faith is the way you live out your faith. Right? And that is by your faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you realize that Christ was everything and the only thing that you needed, that is what is needed every single day to live faithfully until the end. Christ alone is Lord and is all that you need to grow and to protect yourself from evil influences in the world. But the question then is, how are we to walk in Christ? And our passage here, verse 7, actually gives us four ways that we're going to walk in Christ. And let's just go through this very quickly. The word rooted here implies that our roots have been planted in Christ and we are now getting all that we need from Christ alone. John 15.5 has a better picture of this. It says this. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the picture of being rooted in Christ. You guys get it? This is it. We're in Christ. And if we stay in Christ, we'll bear a lot of fruit. But apart from Christ, we can do what? Nothing. That's what it means to be rooted. The words built up is a building reference that tells us that God is working very powerfully to make you and to build you to be like Jesus. 1 Peter 2.5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual uh, sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Right, So we're being built into a spiritual house by who? By God. The phrase strengthened in the faith as you were taught is telling us that to become strong in Christ means never discarding the early truths that you learned about Jesus for newer ones. 
But that's like the temptation of church these days, isn't it? All the time. What's the new thing around the corner, Eddie? Some people even ask me stuff like that. And, and here's what's even more sad. You know, some people in the church with the best intentions in mind, some people in the church, unfortunately, sometimes can lead us astray. I've heard people come up to me and say to me stuff like this, Eddie, now that Jesus saved you, you now need to move on to operating your life in the power of the Spirit, becoming strong in the Spirit and in these spiritual like skills and gifts in order to produce this set of outcomes and so on in your life. Right? People have said stuff like that to me. Now, let's be clear. Being used powerfully by God, awesome. That's what we want. Okay, Spiritual gifts, great. Seek spiritual gifts. It's good. Okay, I love it. But you have to realize that they are all from Christ, in Christ, and for Christ. It's all about that. It's all about Jesus. He, so therefore he is all that we need, right? What you got saved from or how you got saved is all that you need to grow in Christ and to flourish in Christ and to be used powerfully for the kingdom and to be protected from spiritual deception, which is really the heart of this letter. You know, um, every single person who has ever left the faith, and you can think about people maybe in your life that you know or stories that you've heard, every single person that has left the faith or every single person that has left the church to join a cult or any of those things, they have one very common thread. You know what that common thread is? is that they've all strayed from their original confession of the Lordship of Christ over their life to pursue other things, whether they're spiritual or worldly, right? I read this quote from this uh, pastor this week, R. Kent Hughes. He said this. He said, to outgrow the basic truth of Christianity is to actually become post-Christian and pagan, right? Anytime that we depart from the Christ that we met and surrendered to, we become pagan. That's a huge statement, but it's so true. What we don't realize, and the reason why we think that way is because we think, okay, Jesus is enough to get us over you know, the line, but now we got, there's all this other stuff awaiting for us. No, what we don't realize is there is infinite wisdom, infinite knowledge, infinite joy, infinite discoveries in the person of Jesus Christ alone. There is. And as we love him more, and as we were, and here's this will be hopefully this will be your experience. As you love him more, and as we worship him more, we learn more, you know? And as we learn more, we get to love him more and worship him deeper. And that cycle, you know, goes over and over and over again. Here's the lie that gets told a lot at church. You know, people will always say to you things like this. Hey, man, you need something more than Jesus. I don't know how they're going to say it, but they'll some, they'll some kind of derivation of that phrase. Hey, man, you need something more of Jesus. If anyone ever tells you that you need anything more than Jesus, run. Okay, that's it. Don't listen. Run. Now, what's interesting about these first three ways of walking in Christ is that they're written in the passive voice in Greek. Anyone know what that means? Me neither. That's why I had to look it up. Uh, and the reason why it's written in the... So what it means to be written in the passive voice is that it's not done by us. It's all done by God. God is the one that roots us in Christ. God is the one that strengthens us in the faith. You know, God is the one... 
Um, what's that? What's the third one? God is the one that's building us, right? God's doing all that. But the way that, but the last thing that we need to do to walk in Christ, however, is written in the active voice, which means that we are the ones responsible for this. So here's our action point here in this last point. What are we responsible for? It's saying that we are to be overflowing with thanksgiving. Now, it's very bizarre for a preacher to command you to be thankful. Just be thankful. Okay? And it's very bizarre because it's difficult just to say to someone, hey, be thankful. Live your life thankfully. Oh, okay. I'm thankful. It's hard because a lot of times at the heart of it, we think that being thankful is an emotion. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to conjure up an emotion? What am I supposed to do? But really, being thankful or gratitude is not an emotion, but it's a response, right? It's a response to truth. It's a response to generosity. It's a response to love, right? That's what it is, which is telling me that Christian gratitude is possible because it's always going to be a response to truth, a response to God, a response to a realization of who he is and what he's all about. So here's my command. Work hard every single day to be thankful. How are we going to do that? Well, simple. Work hard every day to meditate upon the truths of Christ. Remember, what got you here is what's going to get you home. And so you know what I do a lot almost every other day? When I find my heart getting cold and when I find my heart getting a little bit not thankful, I literally sit there and I present the gospel to myself. Eddie, you are a sinner. You are destined for hell. But... But out of the grace, you know, but God loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. You know, and I present, I, I, there's tons more to this gospel presentation. I'm not going to say it because I'll just get the sermon will go too long. I just sit there and I present the gospel to myself. I meditate on who I was before I met Jesus. I think about how the whole journey of what God did upon my life so that I could meet Jesus. And then I think about all the past 25, 30 years of my life and how God transformed me and all the work that he's done. And that's it. I do that almost every day so that I can operate out of thanksgiving, so that I can operate centered upon the gospel, centered upon who he is and what he's done upon my life. And that directs me towards everything that I do. It gives me perspective on how I need to do everything in my life that day, the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my kids, how I train them, the way I, I approach a sermon, the way I, right before I make this phone call, it changes the way I do everything so that I could do it thankfully to honor him and to make him greater through this phone call, through this interaction, through all that I do, through typing something, through my internet searching. It's transformative. And that's what it's meant to be. We need to do all that we can to stay thankful. Why? Because it is this process of pursuing a heart of gratitude. This is the process that God uses to, to, to build us. This is the process that God uses so that we can be rooted deeper in Christ. This is the process that God uses to strengthen us and to strengthen our faith. And most importantly, this is the process that produces the fruit of gratitude within our lives, which is absolutely essential. Do you know that the people who are truly thankful for the things in their lives are the ones that never look for more things to satisfy them? You know what I'm saying? Therefore, 
being thankful strengthens them against spiritual attacks, false teachings, and worldly influences. And this is what Paul's trying to teach us today. You know, if you study history just a little bit, history has always proven that heretics have failed the most. They have been least successful, not upon the most knowledgeable Christians or upon the most spiritually experienced Christians, but history has proven that they have failed the most against thankful Christians. Isn't that amazing? Thankful Christians. As a matter of fact, history has proven that thankful Christians are the ones that drew people away from cults back to Christ. And they are the ones that drew people from the world, away from the worldly stuff, to know Jesus. Thankfulness has that kind of power. Thankfulness is not only the greatest defense against spiritual attacks, false teachings, and worldly influences, it's actually one of the greatest offenses as well. Isn't that amazing? There is great spiritual power in training ourselves to be thankful every day. So let's cultivate a thankful heart each day for Christ, right? It's one of the most spiritual, spiritually powerful things that we can do with each day. How do I do that, Eddie? Let me give you two suggestions and close. Number one, meditate upon the cost gospel. I already shared that. Do it. Oh my gosh. You know, this is, this is the way I think. If God is going to make the availabilities of his mercy new every single day, new every single morning for us. If that's what God's going to do for us, then surely we can allow the mercies of God and the grace of God to be fresh within our hearts every day, right? If he's going to work so hard to forget, forgive and forget all the sins from yesterday so that we could be totally his and celebrated this morning, then surely we can do the same for him. No matter what yesterday looked like, surely today I can dedicate everything so that he can be honored and glorified and thanked, uh, thanked in our lives. Meditate the gospel. Secondly, share the gospel. Believe it or not, if your heart is cold, if you're not alive and vibing with Jesus, sharing the gospel is one of the most powerfully, spiritually powerful things you can do. I can't tell you how many times I'm sharing the gospel and I'm begging some non-believer to come to know Jesus. And I walk away with, with a heart broken saying, oh my God, I can't believe this guy doesn't understand. But then I realize it is a, it is a, Difficult story to understand and to accept. And that's when I become really thankful that for some reason I do. I, I accept it. It's everything to me. I just don't accept it or nor agree with it, but it's everything to me. How did it become everything to me? And that's God. You know, and it made me thankful for grace. Share the gospel. Let's work hard at being thankful each and every single day for God's grace in Christ and walk with Christ as our Lord. You know, what distinguishes true believers from false ones is the fact that Jesus is Lord over their lives. He's not just the Savior that gives them all these great gifts, that gives us all these great gifts, spiritual gifts, and all these spiritual things. He's the Lord of our lives. He rules our lives. And we submit to him and we serve him and not the other way around. Our passage today says that if you truly want your faith to grow and flourish in Christ, and if you want to guard yourself from false teachings and ungodly influences, then we must train ourselves to be thankful for the grace of God that compels us every day to surrender to Christ as Lord and to keep him there as Lord over our lives. What got you here is what will get you home, or better yet, he who got you here is the one that will take you home. Live out your faith just as you were saved. Let's pray.
You know, Jesus loves you. I don't know what your journey has been like, your spiritual journey has been like these past few years. Maybe it's been dead. Maybe it's been confusing. Maybe it's been awesome. I don't know what I can do about those last few years. But I can tell you what can change starting from this moment. The moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord over your life. Yes, he forgave you of your sins. He died on the cross to pay the penalty of them. He exchanged your sinfulness with his righteousness so that you could be reconciled to the Father forever. He loves you. But he did all that because you were created to have him as the Lord over your life. It's not a prison, but if it is, it's a healthy one. It's a healthy one that causes you to know him and to be loved by him and to understand how amazing it is to be a child of the king of the universe. And that's a jail I'll gladly surrender to. Lordship is actually absolutely fundamental if we want to grow and flourish as a Christian. And if you've never surrendered your life to make Jesus Christ the Lord over your life, will you do that today? Lordship will help you grow in Christ in a healthy way. And we all need that. So will you surrender to him today? And as you do, ask him to help you live every single day thankful so that he might receive all the glory, so that every aspect of your life can be lived thankfully and for his glory. Thankfulness does that. Let's be a church that's thankful to have him as Lord over our lives. Let's pray. for your forever patience with us. We thank you that your love for us never changes. We thank you that no matter what we did yesterday, we're forgiven and it's all forgotten because of the blood of Jesus. But we thank you that as we stay in church and as we grow in faith, we continually learn that there was so much more to our salvation than us just not going to hell. Lord, it is only through you being the Lord and us practicing your Lordship in our lives that we get to truly know you 
and experience the deepest of loves and joys of knowing you and following you. So help us to do that. Be the Lord over our lives. Father, it's only when we practice you as the Lord over our lives are we protected from all the evil and worldly influences, God, that seek to destroy us. So Father, we pray, become the Lord over every life in this room. Become the Lord over our our church, truly, so that all things can be done for you and your glory. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.